to the Sojourn Church podcast. We are glad you are here, and thanks for listening. As a church, we exist to exalt and enjoy the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things, equip the saints, and extend the gospel to all people by reproducing disciples and churches for the glory of God. More information about the life and mission of Sojourn Church can be found at SojournTulsa.org. That's S-O-J-O-U-R-N, Tulsa.org. We're going to be talking this week again on that idea of um, knowing yourself and your doctrine. And so um, we're, we're going to, next week we're going to look at um, this idea of Sabbath rest. So what we're in this series of is uh, train us for eternity. Um, we know that the kingdom of God come and hit the earth. We know that as Christ came, that um, the, the kingdom was inaugurated. So the new king hit the earth. And so remember, John the Baptist kind of preparing the way, the kingdom is near, the kingdom is near. Jesus gets there and kind of changes it to where the kingdom is here. Uh, I am the new king. And so uh, the difficulty of that is we all know that sin is still present. Uh, the fallenness. So we lose um, people around us. We see sin um, and it, it, it affects and it's ripple effects at all levels. All of creation, including our, our world, as far as just the, the creation order itself, has been impacted by sin. And so um, even though Jesus come and landed, God with us, Emmanuel, and, and, and ushered in the kingdom, and he, and he died on the cross and ripped power away from Satan, still in God's sovereignty, he's allowed Satan to have the, this time period. So the kingdom is here, but not yet fully. And so we know that we're awaiting to where there's no longer sin, there's no longer hurt, there's no longer death, there's no longer illness. And so we're awaiting that. So just know that there's this already, but not yet fully aspect of the kingdom. Um, and that can even come down to, uh, this is just a side note for you guys, if you, some of you guys are interested in like whether it's eschatology, so the end time stuff, or whether you're looking at the way that we interpret the Bible, um, do, do we look at it from a, a perspective of uh, dispensations, or we, do we look at it uh, from a perspective, perspective of covenants? Um, some, some guys in the last you know, 15, 20 years, actually it goes back longer, but some some guys now are taking some older thoughts and going, hey, it's the kingdom and the covenants, and at the same time, God works in these periods of time, and so just this idea of kingdom and covenant. Um, and so in that, and that doesn't mean you're fully covenant theology, it doesn't mean that you're fully non-dispensational or anything like that, but just this idea of the kingdom is here, but not yet fully. And so we're trying to live that lifestyle, and so we're saying, God, we know in heaven it's going to be differently. Will you begin to train us for, for that. And so that's what our lives are. And so we're going to see in this passage today, uh, going back to that 1 Timothy 4, um, looking at that idea. Um, the reality is this, we have both sinful tendencies in our life. So you and I, even though we may be, um, we could be a lost person and you're just covered in sin, the wrath of God's resting on you if you're not a follower of Christ. Or if you're a believer, you've been made new. You're a new creation. Old has passed away, new has come, but man, that old that passed away, I don't know about you, but sometimes it seems like it's still there and present very strongly, right? And so that's confusing because the Holy Spirit's indwelling in us. We say Jesus lives in us, um, but still we have these sin tendencies. So there's those avert sin tendencies where you're choosing to do sin, right? You're choosing to, to take steps into sin or you're getting tempted and choosing to follow that. But we're going to look at today this 
that, that's part of know yourself in this First Timothy. But we're also going to look at what about when my personality, the way kind of I'm bent, the way I'm wired, the way that I'm naturally um, thinking, the way I'm naturally um, treating people. We're going to look at some of those things. When do those cross over into sin? Because there's things about our natural, just natural um, body, our natural being that is not sinful. It's just a personality difference, okay? And so we're going to be looking at that. And so on one side we have, you see the slide there. So on one side we've got the Bible. So you've got doctrines and beliefs and truth. But then on the other side you can see, well, here's our lives. Um, in a lot of our circles, we don't think through our, our lives as far as the way that I treat other people. The way that my personality is kind of bent. I need to be aware of the way that I am because if I'm not careful, I kind of just go, well, I'm just this way, but I've got really solid doctrine. I've got really solid beliefs. I, I know the Bible really well. I know the Bible well, and I know what I believe about God. And so and we just come across very unloving, very rude, very uh, ungodly at times, but yet we think, well, I, I'm the Bible person. And so uh, be aware of that. Just We have these tendencies. So there's not only our overt sin tendencies but there's also just things about our personality that if taken too far they can end up being sin also so um, this idea of know yourself pay a close attention to yourself and how you apply the bible is what what paul is getting us to um, and we're doing this because often in the church um, there can be this this result of people who have lots of solid orthodoxy so that their knowledge is right but the way that they live it out, their orthopraxy is wrong. And so you may have been around people. I've been around lots and lots of guys because of being in ministry for over 20 years. Uh, lots of leadership guys that they have beautiful truths. And they can communicate it so well. And they're very, very proud even of their quiet times and their study. And they know what the correct book, list of books is and all those things. But then you just see them treating people pitifully. You see them not, be, not being aware of how they come across to people rude or hurtful or judgmental and self-righteous. I've been a part of leadership teams where literally after many people in the congregation come with really um, biblical ideas for serving, like, hey, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a school around us, or there's this, this project that we could kind of help out with, and, and, and you know, four or five of us leaders are thinking, oh, that sounds like a great opportunity. So Ephesians 4, equipping the saints for works of ministry, loving on people, getting the gospel deed out there, then getting the gospel word out there to people. And then maybe one or two guys go, no, I, I'm, we're not doing that. I don't like that. And they're just uncomfortable with it. And so here are these people that are growing and maturing and wanting to serve and love people, and, and this person just shuts it down. No, we're not doing that. And it turns into this argument, and you're kind of embarrassed going, oh, wow, four of us are okay with this. This guy's like getting angry. They just suggested, like, let's go and help them and share the gospel with them. And so for whatever reason, people will do that. And thinking like, man, I think Jesus would be doing that. And you're getting angry. And so that happens a lot sometimes in, in churches. Um, so we want to think through not only just our, what we believe, our, our beliefs and our doctrine, but also the way that our personalities, our insecurities, these things can, can move over from a naturalness to a sin. And so um, we're going to look at that. And so this is a little bit, again, this, as I said this last week, this is a little bit different sermon just because of the way um, we've spent 29 weeks in 2 Corinthians. So if you take 
13 chapters, 29 weeks, that we were going pretty deep in those little sections. So this is a little bit of an overview of a chapter, so if you'll just know. So this is taking 1 Timothy 4, and we're going to bring out this kind of push that Paul does twice in it. At the end, he kind of comes down to this, if you're doing this, here's the result of that. And it's tied to what he had said earlier, and we're going to look at that. But just know we're kind of skimming over this whole chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, and we're going to see this. Um, A lot of people look at, well, I've got my correct doctrine, and they don't realize how they're living. And so the the old famous thing of, you know, I'm a believer now. I don't cuss. I don't chew. I don't date girls who do. um, So I guess I'm all right. And the reality is, no, you're, you're really hurtful to people. You're really unloving. You've got all kinds of jacked up things. Um, I can't hear a word that you're saying because your life is screaming so loudly at me. I can't hear a word of the gospel that you're saying because the way you treat people is screaming louder than your gospel message. And we've got to think through that in the church. Um, So it's a little bit of a different sermon. I want us to help us think through self-awareness last week and this week and how how the the interaction between the Scriptures applying to our lives can create a a certain type of environment of grace and love and still have our stances, but just do it in in a graceful way. And then next week we'll look at this idea of Sabbath rest. So that that bleeds into If I discover myself and see things about myself that I wasn't aware of, blind spots and things, and not coming to the point. So this is not a sermon about go and sit and just meditate on yourself. Discover all the good or even the bad in you. And that's not just that's not the point of the sermon. We're, we're looking at, hey, I need to be aware of things that God would want me to be aware of. And then next week, man, now what do I do to fix some of those things? Well, now you're aware we're resting in Christ. We're, we're trusting in, in Sabbath rest, meaning what I'm, I'm doing is the same thing God did with um, at the end of creation. Six days of beautiful work and he pauses He remembers and looks back and reflects on it and says, that is all good. And he's thankful to himself for that, which is good. And you're not God, so we don't get to do that. But it's it's him looking back and pausing. And so for us to have this idea of Sabbath rest, and it's not just talking about just the Sabbath day and and, and some sort of legalistic list on how far you can go and and should you leave your home that day. But but you should have some time, and even if it's every day where you're having some little um, daily times where you're pausing to reflect and rest in Christ. And that will help you so much be aware of yourself and be aware of sin tendencies. So we'll look at that next week. Um, So um, for centuries, well, I'm going to go into this next part. Um, Being aware of yourself. Because other people are. You may have seen this at family gatherings. You may have seen this at um, churches. You may have seen this at school settings. You may have grown up in places like that where you, you see people that just are not aware of how they come across to other people. If you have self-awareness, the ways that you're bent, the ways also that you just choose to jump off into sin. I mentioned last week that Jamie and I at Sojourn Assessment, when we were going through assessment, um, they were saying, hey, we're not worried about your, the mission. We're not worried about the, the theology. We're not worried about you falling off into heresy. They said your tendency for 15 years working with college ministry is when you start doing things, you'll just, you can go into um, just um, efficiency mode and Jamie can go into efficiency and you don't realize that if, if there's other things going on, distractions, hurts, these things that people aren't aware of, you're going to be just kind of focused on doing this and not realize how you're coming across to, peop- across to people. So they said, so you need to be continually asking, 
um, how are you experiencing me? And so um, that, that's a great thing for all of us to think through. Great question. You, you know, your, your spouse, how are you experiencing me? And so we, now we kind of joke about that. And you know, like, do you want to ask me the question, how I'm experiencing you right now for the last two days, what I've been experiencing? And so that might be scary for you. Um, but that's this idea. And by the way, this is theology. That is your theology. The way that you treat people and think, that is theology. You're living out a certain theology. You're living out a certain belief. And that's where people go, no, no, I just want the doctrine. I just need doctrine. This is, this is stuff, wishy-washy, psychology, personality. You're, you're missing it. This is what Paul was trying to say. That's why we're spending two weeks on this. It, it's, it's not just what are your bullet points on what we believe on your website. It, it's how are you living that out. And so we're going to see that in this section. The, the, the focus of this, the, those verses that I brought up last week, is 15 and 16. Verses 15 and 16. So we're going to read through those, these end verses, and then we're going to go through that chapter, just kind of skim through it to connect the rest of it. So I want you to see the context there. And so um, practice these things. This is verse 15, 1 Timothy 4, and we've got the slides up there, um, 15 and 16. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. That was the ESV. In the New American Standard, take pains with these things. Be absorbed in these things so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to the teaching. Persevere in these things, for as you do this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. The New Living, and I remember I did this purposely so some of you can call your parents and like, we read from the New Living. We read from the message, and, and I was expecting lightning bolts to fly down and kill people and it didn't happen god was so loving sunday so new living give yourself complete give your complete attention to these matters throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the, and the sake of those and the salvation of those who hear you the niv be diligent in these matters give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So I purposely read those so you'll see, oh, this is not just the ESV's version of this. This is not just the NIV's. Every single version says it real clearly. And so let's pray, and then we'll dive off uh, going into that passage, uh, the, the context of that passage. Father, we are thankful that you love us in grace, not only through our sin, not only have you prepared the complete redemptive path for us in Christ, you've provided everything for our salvation, for our righteousness, for our future eternal hope. You've guaranteed that with the Holy Spirit. You've secured that. Father, we thank you that it's not based upon how good we are at this. It's not based upon whether we've had a week of failures or whether we've had a week of closeness with you, Lord. It's based upon your covenant with us that you have done this work, that you've accomplished this. And so we are thankful for that. And at the same time, Father, we still struggle in this world of sin. We struggle with our personalities, and we don't like to look at some of these things. We see these blind spots that we have, and we need the Holy Spirit to open our eyes, to help us to be aware. Not in some weird pop psychology, cultural, trendy um, self-awareness, but, but biblically. 
to know how our life is either meeting up with Scripture, our treatment of others is either meeting up with Scripture or not. Would you help us to see that? Would you give us grace today? Would you break down defenses and allow us to see um, that that matters to you? And that you want to do that to glorify yourself? You want to do that for the good of others? You want to do that for the good of our soul? And you want to do that so that the gospel will spread? We thank you for that. We pray that you'd use this time. In your name we pray. Amen. So um, let's look at 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. So we're going to kind of go through this kind of fast. So I'm not going in depth, but I'm, we're going to come back and I want you to see the context of this, verses 15 and 16, which is our focal point. I want you to see where Paul is getting this. And I want you to see the context clearly of this. So um, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. So, um, notice Paul's emphasis here. He's getting to the end of this letter. He hasn't read, written Second Timothy yet. But so at the end of this, he feels this press of the Holy Spirit going, the Spirit's really, really clear about this. The Spirit really wants us to, to, to hear this. Um, you've got to know about Ephesus. Think through the, so, so he's writing this 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. They're both written to Timothy, who's the lead elder, the lead pastor in the church of Ephesus. So we, when you read Ephesus, kind of remember that. And so he's in Ephesus. What was the culture of Ephesus? Um, so remember, Ephesus had all the different um, deities and all the different um, types of um, worship, uh, pagan gods, um, all of the um, sexual immorality that was rampant. They even had um, certain uh, places where you could go and perform sexual immorality and it was done in the name of these gods, like you were appeasing God. So that was Ephesus, a mixed up crowd. We've just studied about Corinth. Ephesus, much worse than San Francisco or L.A. or New York or whatever you think's bad in America. Um, Corinth, much worse than those places, okay? And so um, and God, in the middle of that, what's beautiful about that, he says, my gospel can work in this kind of broken city. My gospel and my spirit can work and, and, and grow a people and redeem a people, and this gospel can still change things that seem impossible. And so that's a beautiful thing that he brings out here. And so now he says, the spirit expressly says. So he, he's giving them clarity there. And so notice he says, some are going to depart from the faith. And so um, we, we see, so what happens in that? And he, he gives a list there uh, of the things, a couple of things that, that it caused people to do that. We would expect at this point that when we read about people devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, that it would be very obvious by their um, behaviors and by their lifestyle. So just like, just gross sin, right? Just horrible, sinful patterns. And, and that's not what he's saying here. He's going... No, actually, this demonic teaching that they're buying into, it looks really, really good. It looks better than what you're living. It's better than your family. It's better than your family in the church. They've got control forms added to the Bible about marriage and what that looks like. They've got control lists and rules about diets and what you eat and what you don't do. And so what was happening there is you probably had some Jewish people that were not the majority there that were in the church and that were probably bringing up some of the Old Testament um, 
societal and also law, uh, the dietary laws of Old Testament Israel. And, and notice that Paul and the Spirit are saying, when you get in that realm and you start trying to apply those things, that's demonic. And so why, why would he go that far? Why would the Spirit be so concerned that if you're starting to live by these lists and these rules and things, how is that demonic? And, he goes, and he's going, it's because it betrays the true gospel. It's away from the gospel of faith alone, in Christ alone. And so all of that stuff, justification, just in what Christ accomplished. And so he's saying this is demonic. But, but notice that the, the path that they've taken is not one that, that is this just clear um, debauchery. Um, it's an attempt to be the most godly people. They've created extra-biblical rules and lists. Um, not only that, you can argue um, that they're always the ones who are right. So if you've been around that, they, they, they were the ones telling people, no, what you're doing is wrong. This is what's right. And so he goes into that. Let, let's look further. He says, um, they forbid marriage. They require abstinence from, fruit, from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. So he, he's saying, these are good things. And so now, now here, here's the difficulty. So for some people, I don't know what your discernment capability is. So when Paul gives an example, says, here's people being led astray. Let me give you two examples. There may be 20, there may be 50, I'm going to give you two. It's their list about marriage, and it's about dietary laws. And so right now, we read, go, oh, I don't have any of those. So that, this doesn't apply to me. And people probably at that church were going, oh, I, I don't do that, I'm not doing those, so I'm good. There could be 5,000 of those. There could be tons of rules and things that we apply. And so you may read and go like, oh, I don't have any dietary laws that I think are um, making me approved of by God. Oh, I don't have any marriage lists that I think that are uh, making me approved of by God. What about other things that you're doing that you're kind of equating to, this is what gets my approval of God. This is what brings my acceptance to God. And so think through that. Paul, Paul's trying to say the Spirit's concerned about in the later times, there's going to be people that fall away. So how many of you knew, remember the book, most of you are probably uh, maybe too young for this, but the, the book by Josh Harris, um, I Kiss Dating Goodbye. So man, I used to hand it out. I taught some things from that, not, not, didn't teach the whole book, but in our dating thing, I thought it was a good idea on some things. So Josh Harris, um, he became the, the pastor at a church up in Maryland, and uh, C.J. Mahaney was the lead pastor. And so Josh Harris, and so it was a church that we even went to some conferences. They went to a New Attitude conference. Um, they were the charismatic Calvinists. And so, um, and in fact, we, we took this whole group of college students, and so we had a whole bunch of Bible and Baptist churches, and it was in Louisville. And there was this big conference, and I think like, you know, Josh Harris and C.J. Mahaney and Al Moeller and some different guys were speaking. And so you had all these Baptist and Bible church people that went, and man, um, the group that was putting on was the Sovereign Grace. And so they're the kind of charismatic Calvinists. And, and their group, they come to show us what worship was. I mean, they were going to, and so like, I mean, they're just like, you know, as the music started, they're just kind of getting their hands ready like we're about to, you know, we're going to levitate, we're going to raise the roof on that. And so like our people are kind of, you know, doing our thing. Like we, we might kind of like do our hands like this. And, and I mean, they were just into it. It was, it was beautiful. I'm, 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 I loved it. Actually, but we were just the conservative group. You know, we were just kind of like the Mormons in the middle of it, just like, oh gosh. And so they did a great job. Incredible truth was brought out that week. Beautiful things. Nothing heretical at all. Um, and then I remember a few years later, fast forward, I'm at Louisville again. I'm standing, and there's another conference. I forget which conference it was. It's five years later. 
and uh, Josh Harris was speaking there, and I'm down at the bookstore at, in, at Southern Seminary, and here comes Josh, walks up, and, he, and I'm just standing there with a couple of guys, and he goes, hey, do you go to seminary here? I said, yeah. And I was like, you're Josh Harris. And, and so he's like, yeah. And so uh, then he said, hey, so tell me about seminary. Do you like it? What have you liked about it? So we started talking, talked for about five minutes. So he was actually, he had not had theological training at that point. So he was looking at different seminaries to go to. And if you've tracked with him, some things started happening, and the next thing you know, he ended his marriage. He walked away from faith. He, he disowned everything that he had ever taught. And then he, he, he said that Christianity is not even real. And so he says, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer anymore. I'm not a follower of Christ. And so uh, if you listen to any of the Mars Hill um, podcasts with uh, Mike Cosper, at one point Mike Cosper just does a loving, wonderful job of going, hey, 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 um, the thing about that, when he was interviewing him, he said, the thing about it is your church is up there. You talked about this idea of grace, but you lived out and you taught law. You talked about the beautiful picture of grace. And people were drawn to it, but then you had all these rules for families. All your families conformed to certain things. Everything went by this list. You, all these things that you said, here's practical application of the Scriptures, it was lists of rules and law. And everyone knows we have to have rules. You can't have a family or your own life without having certain things. Those are good things. So, um, but, but Cosper was showing him, you missed Jesus. That wasn't Jesus. What you started hating was your own list that wasn't the gospel and wasn't grace and wasn't truth. It was stuff that was added on. And there's, there's life situations also. So when we see Paul here going, hey, in later times, there's going to be people that fall away. Josh Harris was a leader of a whole movement. Sovereign Grace Church Planting Network is bigger than Harbor Network Church Planting Network still to this day. And they've had issues and things, but the leader of the whole movement goes, I'm not even a believer anymore. And so for some of you, you go, I'm, I'm 28. I'm, I'm 34. I'm 40. Let me tell you, life gets difficult. What about this shooting down in Texas? Are you kidding me? Losing a child for some stupid, ridiculous reason? There's going to be people that are going, where's God in the middle of this? Where's God's loving sovereignty when this happens? So those are tough things. It doesn't mean God is not present. But I'm just telling you, life will have difficulties. And, and if you are built up on a list of how good you're doing on your list, like, like Paul's saying here, you're going to fall away. You haven't built years and years and years and years of, of loving Jesus in the middle of grace. You've loved an idea of Christianity of you keeping it all together. And so that, that, that happens. We, look at Tulsa. It's happened repeatedly in Tulsa. And two or three weeks ago, there was a couple that were here. And they were talking about that. That's what happened with them and their kids. And so you're just going, man, what, what's going on? And so Paul and the Spirit said, I'm telling you, in the later days, people are going to fall away. Are they going to fall away because of sin choices or they never come to the truth because of sin choices? Obviously. That's the obvious. What I'm, I'm shocking you by is that these are people inside the church going, let's add some stuff to it and it's going to lead to people falling away. And that, that, that should just be a, a, a constant reminder. And notice this, the situation. This apostasy that's there, some will depart. There's also deception that's going on there. It's deceiving spirits. And then it's false teaching, which he, he uh, solidifies as doctrines of demons. And so when we look at that, um, that's some scary reality because that, that can happen to you. You get in your 30s. You get in your 40s. You get in your 50s. 
We've all seen it. Um, let's go on to 6 through 10. 1 Timothy 6 through 10. If, if you put, I'm sorry, chapter 4, 6 through 10. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine. So notice that picture there. The words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you, that you have followed. Notice what he's saying. The connection between your, your doctrine, your teaching, and then your life. It being applied to your life. The Spirit's saying people will fall away, but if you do this, it's going to be good for you, and it's going to be good for others. But it's about your teaching, your doctrines, and how you apply it. Um, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. We hear those sometimes. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So, so there's this idea of training yourself for eternity. Um, for while bodily life, I'm sorry, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this present life and also for the life to come. So this idea of train us for eternity is, yes, we want to be um, ready and prepared for eternity, but, but that also apply, applies going backwards from that. Like, how am I living this week? And again, we want to be people that just don't have a, a knowledge bullet point list and we treat people horribly in our workplace. We're arrogant and self-righteous. Or we just have all these secret sins that people are doing. If you, if you knew this week, the SBC, last Sunday, as everyone's in church, the, the Southern Baptist Convention, 12 million members, it come out that, oh, they should have been doing this research and surveys for years. People have been abused sexually, physically, all kinds of abuses, and now it comes out, and people have been covering it up. Secret, horrific sin. And it shouldn't have been going on. How many people were abused that, that it could have just stopped? You know, uh, uh, thousands of people 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Man, we know who the important people are. Don't you question them. We know our doctrines. We're solid. We're the strongest missionary force. That's just a bubble. Why aren't we truly taking this to life application? Are we letting the Scriptures dictate how we live? So secret sin's going on. Um, he says this prepares us for this life, but also the life to come. And then verses 11 through 16, he says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. He's speaking to Timothy specifically, Paul is, because he was a little bit younger. But set the believers an example. So show them not only Bible knowledge, but show them how to live how to apply their doctrines. Show them an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So how to live that out, the way that you talk to people even. Um, how to live that out, your conduct with people. So that goes to, what's our conduct? What's our family's conduct? What, what's our family, the way that we, when we go to um, the, the, the store? If you guys have had little bitty kids, when you get, and they outnumber you, if you have two or three or four, and you go to Walmart or research or anything, um, and, and you get asked to leave, and you get, no, I'm joking, that didn't happen to us. You probably got close. So we, every time, we had expectations talks because they're just, they're, they're ready to go. They're excited. You, you pull up, and they're just ready to, and so we're like, whoop, whoop, hold it, pause. We're going to have a four-minute expectations talk. And they're just like, oh, oh. And so for me, sometimes, just by that, like it's, it just turned into ten. Ten minutes, six minutes. So, you know, they're just like if you can just drown them out in just weariness and like they're sleepy, then that that helps also. And so, but just every time we just had to have expectation talks, and still 
Sometimes like you just get past the little breeze thing that you're pushing your cart in through and already one's on the floor dragging, dragging their head, crying about something, you know. And so expectations, here's how we conduct ourselves. Those are good things to have. So don't hear me saying, some people walk away when I'm saying, hey, be careful of that. Don't equate that with salvation. Don't equate that with your pleasing uh, status with God. But you have to have those. Please do. We were in the small group where um, literally we had like three or four couples uh, for two years in our small group one time, not here, thankfully, that, um, definitely not in Sojourn, um, but, but literally there were no rules. And so literally every time after uh, the, our, our group, we had 19 kids in this, this group. And so um, literally our couch was just getting torn to shreds and, and they were kind of doing the free, free range parenting which means no rules because you know, we don't want to crush little snowflake spirit and we don't want to crush a little snowflake self-esteem. And so some, there was literally times where I was like, hey, I, I'm sorry, um, you've been talking. They just set my cat on fire. There's two holes in the sofa. He just poured red Kool-Aid on the floor. Um, if you're not going to say something, I'm about to spank him. And you probably won't like that. And, and so I didn't go that far. But I mean, just that, that so crazy. So y'all may have seen that. And so uh, the idea there is that we should have these policies for kids. We should have policies for ourselves. Be aware of those. But in that, we're giving an example. We're living that out. Our conduct, the way that we love. Are you a loving person? Man, in, in the last, I think that for like 15 years, I was okay at it. People knew that. But like I've learned in the last three or four years, maybe probably four or five years, maybe it's just church planting, um, that I don't receive love well. And I don't feel like I give love well. Like, I know Jamie and the boys feel that way. And I know that people around the church, but I think I could grow 80% in that. Like, I, and I'm extremely gracious person. Like, I'll bend over back. You can run over and run over and run over. I'll be extremely gracious, but I, that doesn't mean that you're loving well. I think I could grow in that. You may go, boy, that you're, that's really stinks. So you should not be saying these things up front. But no, I really believe that I haven't received love well. And again, maybe because my mom and dad passed away. When, when that little piece is gone, it's a weird void. Even though you have a wonderful wife and wonderful kids. I mean, somewhat wonderful kids. And so, all of those things are, are just, it leads to faith. It leads to purity. And Paul's going, you've got to get those things together. I'm, the Spirit is telling you, that's going to happen. Um, how you live that out. Practice these things. And then he gets to 15 and 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this. So, um, Note the result there at the end. He says this, For so by doing this, you will save both yourself and your hearers. What was the warning earlier in the verses? People that are making lists, what was the result? People are falling away. They're following teachings of, de teachings of demons and they're falling away from the faith. What's the result if we're a person who is knowing yourself and your doctrines, and you're living that out, and you're practicing, practicing that, you're, you're being trained in righteousness, you're training yourself on, on what that looks like to live that out, bringing both your Bible understanding and your knowledge of God together with your lifestyle and your living, the way you treat people. He says, if you do that, um, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, that cannot mean, from the Gospel, we, we, we know that that cannot mean that that you doing the right things is going to equate you going to heaven. You can't earn your way to salvation. You're not going to figure out the right list and do that. It's, it's, what it's actually saying there is it's revealing by you doing this, you're walking in the Spirit. You're giving evidence that you have been changed. You're giving evidence of the new creation. You're giving evidence that you are actually a follow, follower of Christ. You're giving evidence of that. And so that's what Paul's getting to there. So 
That's a, that's a huge picture. That in one part, people that are looking really good in the church, it's going to lead them to hell. People that are living this out and following Christ and learning to uh, be aware of the way that they are and be aware of how the Bible applies their life, it leads to life and eternity. Because you're, you're going to be confronted. What, what that is is a picture of, oh wow, I just treated them horribly. I'm convicted by that. I see that. God, would you forgive me? Hey guys, would you forgive me? I was, I was acting this way. That's growth. That's what should be happening. We're, we're confessing sin. We're repenting. We're living that out. The way that we treat people. The way we talk to people. We're living out the gospel um, in those ways. If you don't do that and you're not aware, God, these idiots surrounded by people who just don't get it. These people are, oh, they're just, it's ridiculous. Everyone in my workplace. Everyone in my house. Everyone in my neighborhood. My whole family. And, and that's what happened. And what I'm the Bible one. Why can't they just get it right like I am? Why can't they get it right? And so, so being aware of those things. So, so now let's turn the page and look at what this looks like. Obvious sin patterns. And now let's look at this idea of be aware. Know yourself. Let's look at what that looks like. Areas that you pay close attention to. He says, you must pay close attention. Know yourself. So are you aware of repetitive sinful patterns and categories in your life? Are you aware, not just like, oh, I sin in this way, this way, this way, this but like, are you aware of categories? So I've got a slide up there. Just, so first of all, just the, the obvious one, the, uh, you know, the, the seven um, deadly sins. Are you aware of, of those even? Envy, sloth, pride, wrath, gluttony, lust, greed. So, so, and some creative guy on Twitter put them like, hey, he, he quantified those with um, different, different things on social media. So envy. Facebook's a great place to have envy. Anyone do that? It does, doesn't it? It creates envy right? Netflix. Sloth, anyone? No one wants to talk about that one, right? Everyone. I mean, everyone under whatever age is like, what's the thing that come out? Uh, uh, dangerous things or something things? Yes. What? Dangerous things. That's it. It's not even close. Um, so pride, Instagram. So these are some sins that can happen in, on Instagram. Uh, Twitter, wrath. Um, on Yelp, gluttony, um, on Tinder, lust, and then on um, LinkedIn, greed. So just climb that corporate ladder. So Sankey, I'm, I'm such a good righteous person, guys. I'm not in LinkedIn, not on it. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not on any of I think I, I have a Facebook account, but so I, I'll get on there three or four times. It's usually to make snarky comments on somebody else's thing, but I'm, I never spend time on there. Um, and so, man, why can't you guys just get on my list? Do you see how righteous and holy I am? So that's clearly this guy saying that you would struggle with those sins if, you, if you're on all those things. So Sankey's not on the, those, those uh, different social media things, so I guess the seven deadly sins, I, I'm good, right? And that's what we do in the church. No, Sankey can still be living up daily envy, sloth, pride, wrath, gluttony, lust, greed, without being on any of those social media things. Do you, do you see the connection there? So, so in the church, I think we go, oh, no, well, our family doesn't do that, so obviously, hopefully my kids or I won't struggle with lust or greed or whatever. Man, I, I remember when we were in Tahlequah, we lived in this trailer. is $10,000 for this little trailer. It's a mobile home park. And, and so we were so thankful because we were going to live there two years, go off to seminary somewhere. And so some of the college guys that were around and stuff, um, we were making, you know, 
$2,000 a month, and they were, um, and after a while, we had lived there for like five or six years, and um, when we, it was, I remember some college guys were talking one time, and I was right over here, and, and they were talking to some other guys, like, oh, thank you, Jamie. Man, they're so humble. They were going to go overseas and go into missions and stuff. They live in this, like, crummy little trailer, and I literally was like, whoa, 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 I hate it. Like, we'd love to have a nice trailer. I was like, it's not because, like, I'm so godly, and, like, we've got, you know, 100,000 over here, and we're just, no, 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 I, I don't like that. Like, we want to change. So it was like, I could be lusting and desiring and greedy just as, as much as the highest paid CEO don't 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 think because that you don't have that or you're not in their ballpark that you don't want their ballpark and so just remember that 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 so you can still be struggling even though you have your list or even you have a a lifestyle that looks like you're not struggling with it and so um those things um at uh, and when you're looking at um the ideas of these secret sins. Are you aware of the areas where you struggle most easily? So here's, that was the seven deadly sins. The next slide shows um, a whole bunch more. So if we just go and look at that, man, do you struggle with pride? What about desires that are, sometimes we don't even realize our desires that are ungodly. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's a famous section in 1 John 2. Spiritual pride. Sexual sins. Immaturity, just attitudinal sins. We notice as parents, don't don't we? We notice just the attitude of a kid. And you're like, uh, you said you're sorry, but I can tell. And so, like, you see, that's not a heart change. What does God see about our hearts all the time? Attitudinal sins, anger, hatred, deceiving people, manipulative, a grumbler, a complainer, argumentative. Are you a quarreler? Are you a contrarian? Are you divisive, self-righteous, just blind, but we think that we see the best? So that's Paul going, hey, church, the Spirit's concerned. Know yourself. Which category sins are you struggling with most? Which are the ones that you're, you're, maybe your whole family line has struggled with this? Maybe your whole um all the grandparents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents have all struggled with these category of sins. Are you aware of that? Your tendency. When you get stressed and when you get low or when you get sad or depressed, what are the things that you run to? What are the off-ramps? Be aware of those. Know yourself. So those are just the clear category sins that we talked about. So the, the, the two big things is know yourself, know the sins that you're prone to walk in, but now let, let's, let's take this, let's go to now know yourself, these patterns and tendencies that maybe we don't even realize are, are just kind of the way that we're more bent, the way that we're kind of reserved to be this way. Um, as we look at these different tendencies, uh, these are here to help you see with new perspective. They're um, just different. So some people learn or become aware of these differences, and it brings a complete new perspective how they view others and how they understand others, and then also it helps them understand themselves. So person A up there, um, we've got a slide on this that shows you've got people, as I've showed some of these areas to people to help them grow after I get to know them a little bit, person A, they're a learner. They become aware, and they go, oh, the reason I thought my whole family was ridiculous and dumb was because they're different from me, not they're just different. They're not horribly wrong. And so there's different personality types, right? There's different types of things. And again, we're not going off into soft, you know, like stuff like this, but these tend to lead us into um, certain behaviors and repeated treatments. So um, person B, 
they're just so black and white, they cannot see different perspective. Cannot see different perspective. So, for instance, um, um, the first one. You guys, some of you guys have heard of the head, heart, and feet. So, people tend to, you may not know this, you, you may realize this, usually when I share this with people, doing some discipleship stuff, they go, oh, wow, um, this is an area that I didn't realize I'm in this. And so we've got a slide showing these different areas here. This is the head, heart, feet. Different people measure and evaluate spiritual maturity by a person by either their head knowledge or by their heart, how loving they are and kind of teddy bear, or whether they're really busy doing so. Feet being um, feet and hands, like how much I do. So the first person, the head person, they are measuring all of us by how much we know about God. Bible knowledge, knowledge of doctrines. Um, in small group, you know, if the person's like, hey, who wrote, do we know who wrote First Timothy? Someone goes, uh, Timothy? And so, like, oh my gosh, they're not even a believer. So, do you know these stories about God? Do you know these doctrinal truths? And so they're always measuring people's spirituality, measuring people's maturity by how much head knowledge. Why do you think that they did tend to do that? Because that's what they appreciate. They're a head person. They, they, they want knowledge. Typically, what they do is they spend lots of time alone studying, reading, reading commentaries, or studying the Bible, which is good practices, right? What's their deficiency, though? If I'm always locked away in a study, pastors do this, so much time just studying, 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 and there's a whole bunch of people that could be discipled. There's a whole bunch of lost people that, that need the gospel. And so they're isolated studying, and they're evaluating everyone by knowledge when their weaknesses, they're not in very many relationships. That they, they don't, they're not good with trying to stretch themselves to be able to share life with people a little bit more. They also don't have time for uh, going out and serving people or doing evangelism because why? That would take time away from knowledge of God. So that's a head person. The heart person, that's just that loving teddy bear person, warm, encouraging, and they just are deep and deep relationships. And so I remember a lot of guys in the college ministry stuff, uh, they would be like, man, I just I love going to hang out in the dorm. We'd play, we'll sit and play you know, gaming stuff for like you know, four or five, six hours. And they're like, yeah, I'm trying to just get the gospel to them. Six months later, have you ever shared the gospel? Because you've spent like 3,600 hours playing video games with them and eating with them and you know, swimming with them and playing these rec games, but you've never shared them. Like, oh, yeah. So do you see what happens there? The relationship part's there, and they're, they're really fun to hang out with. But sometimes the, the head knowledge is not there. Or the active part of I, I me, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with them. And so that person, they evaluate things on how loving you are, how relational you are. And sometimes they'll say, you know, um, we don't have to worry about all those doctrines. We've just got to be loving. Um, then the, the feet person, the, the hands and feet person, that's the serving people. That's the ones who, they measure spiritual maturity by how much you do. How many guys have you shared the gospel with this week? Five? Ten? How many people have you shared the gospel with this month? Zero? Oh, wow. I see you over there reading and studying in your little thing, and you're studying all these books. What, what good is that if you're not getting the gospel out to people? And, and so people sometimes are a project to them. They're doing so much that, oh yeah, I've got a disciple, guys, but it's not because I care and love you. It's because I want to be able to show people that I've got these guys following so it's not our true love. So when I've shared these three with people, I've literally had guys go like, oh, this is very helpful. It's like, oh, which one do you think that you are? And they say, oh, I'm clearly the head person. It's 
Like, now, how do we get the other people in my category? Like, that wasn't the point. So, so you see what happened with him? They were thinking like, those people are clearly wrong. Thank you for this. Now I know why I'm so frustrated with all the ridiculous people around me. How do we get heart people to change and become head people? How do we get feet people to change and become head people? I was like, that's completely not the point. If you were more aware, more teachable, more humble, you'd realize I probably need to grow in loving people more. Open up my life. Instead of saying no to small group, I can never have time for it, or no to this Bible study, or no even just hanging out fellowship because um, I, I, I've just got to study over here. I'm just studying the Word. I want to be that type of person. Man, you need to grow in these other areas. In the same way the heart person needs to grow sometimes in their knowledge. They're just all relational. And, and so you see that they don't have a lot of biblical depth. So that's just one area. Um, are, are, which one of those are you? Which area are, are there deficiencies in? Are there areas that you need growth for? Um, what about the highly emotional or the moderate emotional or the low emotional or even just the flat? Know yourself. Which one are you? Some people are like highly emotional. You can, they just wear their emotions on their sleeves. So, so again, you're wired that way. I'm not, none of those four is better than the other one, okay? And so some of you be like, oh, there, there are. And I, even my wife, we joke about some of those things sometimes. So, um, but be aware of yourself. And don't judge other people who happen to be certain ways. You should have a new perspective and appreciate them. And that's part of God's beautiful diversity. Now, can it go into sin? That's why we're talking about this. If you're so emotional that every time someone does anything little and you explode all over them, that's sin. You treat people horribly. If your affect, your, your, your emotions are so flat that people can't even hardly talk to you, Maybe you need to grow a little bit because it's going to seem like, man, we can't even talk to you. Like you can't keep an ongoing conversation going because it's, so, it's just so flat. And again, you're bent that way. That doesn't mean you're a horrible person. You're made in the image of God, bent that certain way. Be aware of that and grow a little bit. It doesn't mean that you go from, from low to the extreme high, um, you know, attention-seeking, extreme extrovert. You can look at the introvert, extrovert things. Those are beautiful gifts. And people should be able to look at the other person's style and grow and learn and appreciate and, and re reflect, God, that's beautiful. You made them so different than me. And if you're not careful, what we do is like, no, my way is best. Why can't everyone be quiet and introspective instead of these loud extroverts? Or the extroverts like, man, these people are just wasting time. Clear them off the earth. We need to be going doing stuff. And so just think through, know yourself. Here, here's a huge one. Happens in the church. You guys probably ran into it. Happens in families. Control freak, OCD, versus just easy flow, no control. I brought up earlier, you know, the small group that we had, and just like we had a lot of free-range parenting stuff, just, just complete, like, you know, um, free, free will. We don't want to ever tell the kids no, because that might hurt their self-esteem. And in those cases, they looked at us probably like extreme control, like, yeah, our kids are four, we'll probably have them down by 1 a.m. Yeah, you know, 12, 12 p.m., you know, 12, 12 a.m., we'll, we'll probably want to get them in bed before then or something. And so just like you know, having rules, I'm joking, like that's not, but just going like, they, they'd be like, oh, no, it, it'll be fine. You know, you're being mean to them, you're hurting their feelings. And so um, when you're around different people, you'll see the different stances people take. Um, do you know any control freak people? Maybe you. Are you a recovering control freak? Um, do we have any easy flow, no rules, free range people? 
That might be your that might be your style. So, so in that, be aware, know yourself, and how the Bible applies to that. And it doesn't mean that if you're free range, that now you're wrong and pitiful, and, and that now you need a hundred listen rules. But it may be helpful for other people around you for you to have some parenting skills or some skills in communication and talk and, and being loving and stuff like that. If you're in complete OCD control, just know people around you, they get that. We were just talking with some friends and someone kind of new in their life come in and just stepped in, took over everything. And they're like, we weren't even asking for change. We weren't asking for help. And they just stepped in and took control. Um, it is not a sin to... Have your personality type, unless it's, you're, you're saying, no, my personality type is just in gross sin. It, your sin was created, uh, you're created that way in the image of God, and you have certain bents, but, but be aware of those things. Um, I could go on and on, so I want to bring it to a close. Um, are you aware of yourself? We could go into the younger brother and the older brother type. I think I've labored that point. Are you the rule keeper, the rule bender, the rule breaker? Um, all those areas. Um, are you overly trusting with people? Are you kind of in the middle and moderately trusting? Or do you, I don't trust anyone. I've had people tell me the Bible never tells us to trust anyone. I don't trust anyone. Don't trust my wife. Don't trust anyone except God. And they, they thought that was a biblical stance. And I don't have a verse that says trust this person. You have verses that say trust God. So that was their biblical stance. And so um, know yourself. Paul's saying, are you having clear, overt sin that's going on that you're, 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 you're okay with? Or things about your personality where you're running people off from the church. You're hurting people in your own family. You're not loving and compassionate. You're not a person of, of, that's showing off the gospel. So as we get into this idea of train yourself for godliness, in our circles, I want us to be aware of that we're bent those ways. Both our both our sin conditions and also just our personalities that, that can lead to sinful stances. So next week we're going to go into now, let, let's take a look at what that looks like to rest in the gospel, to have Sabbath rest in our schedule. So um, I hope that's helpful. I hope that you are able to look at that. Um, this is not taught a lot of times. It's, we go through scriptures and we give, here, here's the commands, here's what Paul said to do. Here's what Jesus is saying to do. So it's to do, to do, to do. You ought to, you ought to. And so now this is like, hey, here's the commands. Are you being a jerk while you apply those things? Are you this person that's not loving? You're not showing forth Christ even though you think you're keeping all those. And so I hope that's helpful. A lot of times in churches we just don't spend time on that. And so I want us to think through that as we get into the summer. Okay, Let me pray and then Brad will come up. Then we'll do. Uh, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper as we after we pray. I want to give you some time to examine your hearts after we pray. Lord, we we thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for knowing us. Thank you that um, you know us better than we could imagine. We think that we know ourselves well, and yet we're embarrassed sometimes. We're astounded when we see um, just blind spots in our own lives. We're astounded when we see the way that we've hurt someone the way that our words have hurt someone, the way that we've fallen into silly myths, we've fallen into wrong thinking, wrong teaching. Father, um, we, we, we do. We want our lives to be put together. We want our lives to be godly. We want our lives to be striving for holiness and purity. And we, we ask for you to help us to do that with wisdom. That's what you make the church a community affair for. 
so that we can be aware of those things? Would you bring people into our lives that will speak into our lives on those things? Holy Spirit, would you help us to know ourselves, great sin tendencies, categories of sin that we keep falling into, but also things about our personality that we, we may not realize are hurting others, leading to sin. Would you help us with that? <clears throat> Thank you that you don't give us a, another list to now fix ourselves, but that the gospel is what we need. We need conviction of heart to see as the Bible sees us in a mirror. We need repentance from you. Would you soften us and give us repentance instead of defending? Would you give us confession, Lord, that we would confess that to you, maybe confess that to people around us? And then would you bring renewal, the beautiful gift of renewal, and then help us to learn to rest in you and not strive. We're going to continue to fail. We're going to continue to fall into sin tendencies with, with both those things, Lord. And yet you are patient with us. You're gracious. You send the righteousness of Christ imputed to us to help us. The Spirit empowers and enables us. So we thank you for that, that it's not now, it's not now left up to us to create a better list, but to rest and trust in you. Some of these things are hard to hear, Lord. Um, so would you encourage those whose hearts are hurt? Would you strengthen those that are weak? Would you bring encouragement? Bring grace. We thank you for a time to gather together this week. And we pray for um, our own lives. We pray for those that are also um, out missing from our body today, that are out maybe traveling. We pray also for those that are affected down in, with, a, with a local shooting, Father, where our hearts are broken. Um, we see what sin can do. We're in a fallen, broken world. We don't understand how it all works together, but God, we, we want to remember that you are a good, good Father. You're loving, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Remind us of those things as we go out this week. In your name we pray. Amen.